da. With his fourth appearance, with his fourth appearance leading the way, Chris Rain's fourth. This is now just maybe there's a branch out podcast of uh, get out a rap. We should just be get out a rapping at the fireside, like two two old men sat with our blankets on, moaning and reminiscing. <laughs> but I like a good moan. I must admit, it is uh, <laughs> it is something I'm known for. But I say that not old. Um, you were just saying, as a result of your fitness regime, you're the fittest you've uh, ever been, and more power to you. And I, uh, something you said then was around. Well, I thought was really. I just stuck it in my mind, going, "Yeah, just get got to get back on it." Was start. You should have started earlier, but there's nothing like start now, isn't it? No, and then in the three I, you months, you'll be like. I, I look at this way, going. What I've achieved over the last, well, since August last year, when I when I first started taking it seriously to where I am now, I just kind of think I've done this when I was in my twenties. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, but you know, I'm in my forties, and I, I I look at it. You know, the reason the change happened was I knew I was getting older, um, and I didn't want to get to a point at kind of fifty, sixty year old where I'd kind of just let everything go, and I'm hoping the changes. Will prolong, uh, will prolong my existence a little bit more, and you know, get get past that point and go into retirement fit and healthy and be a giant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mate, I love it. So we're we've talked kind of like all the kind of all the way through this and before lockdown. It's a little bit like A B C and A D, isn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, as as we're coming, as we're starting to enjoy some freedoms again and um coming out of lockdown what's kind of been on your mind what's the good the good and the bad a couple of things right so i think the good the good is that we're coming out of it right i think we all knew that at some point this would happen we probably nobody thought it'd take as long as what it has you know when we, when we take when we, when we take stock and, and think about the journey we've all been on this last kind of 12 18 months um and you know i I think the good thing is that we're coming out of it. And I think the other side of that is that it's forced people to think differently. And I've mentioned this to you before, that actually the, the way we use what we've learned this last year will be what defines us going forward. You know, even little things, the appreciation of little things. You know, I had a chat with a pal of mine at the weekend and we, we're meeting for a drink tomorrow night after work so we'll, we'll meet up and we'll have a, we'll have a pint I, I've not seen him since it all started and you kind of think and I was going I'm really excited and I'd, I felt excited just about going out for an hour after work for a pint and it was that that I draw that conversation but you know what I hope no matter what happens we all come out of this just appreciating those little things that we've taken for granted so much in our lives you know convenience and the ability to do things that the you know the freedoms that have been taken away from us we're now getting excited about and I think that's a positive thing for me that if we could take that positivity forward and just appreciate those things again and and just don't take things for granted anymore you know learn from that and you know just make sure that we we come out of this in a better better frame of mind um so they're the good things I think the bad things is the a bad thing I don't know I think the the kind of bit that we've got to be wary of in my mind is letting people go at their own pace 
I think that for me is still something that we really need to consider. People will have different thoughts. And you've seen it over this last couple of weeks. As freedoms have been allowed, there's still people going, I'm not doing it until it calms down. I'm not, I'm not going to risk it until it calms down. Let the let the novelty of the new freedom kind of dissipate a little bit. And then I might stick, take those first steps out and, and, and kind of do it. So I think we've just got to be mindful that people who are going to do this at a different pace. Um, you know, the vaccination rollout has been phenomenal. Um, and that'll provide confidence and, and all those things will happen. But we as leaders just need to make sure that we are taking into account still everyone's individuality and, and, and allow them to come out of it at their own pace. Uh, no forcing of stuff. And, you know, let's let's keep the good stuff going that we've managed to do over the last 12, 18 months and don't kind of revert back to the way of doing things that could cause a massive negative impact on people. Yeah, I love it. I definitely think there's something in appreciation of small things, appreciation of connection and community around. Um, for me, like that kind of level of excitement you just explained, I felt about playing five-a-side football, uh, playing football again, or and taking um, one of my girls to her her football. The first that was the first thing I did actually was. It's in this great, this is lovely set of football pitches, really nice. Um, and not that it ever, I never saw it as a chore in the past anyway, but I know some other parents did. No one, it, everyone's just excited to see a pitch full of different age groups of kids playing football, all their parents stood watching. And when you first gathered, everyone does it now, more conscious of space and distance. I know you could tell. But everyone just sort of gathered. Everyone was smiling. Yeah. Every everyone, every parent was like, "Yeah, hey, isn't this good? Good to see you." The girls were excited. It was just, it was just brilliant. And I hope that kind of, um, yeah, you have kind of got a. Everyone had. We've been through an experience together, so there's a sense of community there. But I think there's also this. There is an appreciation of the things that that matter. And it is those those connections and doing things and just um, you know not having to just go for a walk all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, to be fair what though, should, what uh, should we do tonight? What, go for a walk? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, 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 let's do that. But I think that's been a catalyst as well for a lot of things. Yeah, so, I like walking. You know, yeah, I, I've grown to love it in a way that yeah. I never would. You know, especially on a morning. And yeah. I know you you follow us on Strava yeah. and things like that, but you know, it's that, yeah, and you talked about on LinkedIn, that kind of separation of starting your working day and finding routines that allow you to separate the fact that we're stuck in our houses all day. So how do yeah. you separate that? I'm sat here in front of a computer screen and I do meetings like this, like thousands of other people are doing, and it's back to back and back to back. It's a completely different level of tiredness now that I've probably ever experienced in my working life um, because it's you know it, I had this conversation with, with, with a colleague last week saying you know back in the day you know, back in the day it's only kind of two years ago right but back in the day you'd book like a two-hour meeting with a customer or a client and that'd be your day because you'd yeah. have to get a train or you'd jump in the car and have a drive and that two-hour meeting would be your day 
and now that two hour meeting's just a two hour meeting. And well, you might a, have another it's four. A, it's a fifth, yeah, it's a fifth <laughs> yeah, you, now, isn't it? Yeah, you might have another four two hour meetings scheduled in as well. So actually, I think we've become more productive, you know, and you've still got to balance it, but I think we have become a bit more productive in what we can do. But the level of fatigue that I feel now is completely different. Um, mentally drained, tired, eye strained, those types of things have all become commonplace. So the only way I've got now to try and separate that or before we kind of eased out of lockdown was to make sure I had a completely clear head in the morning and going out for an hour and, and walking for, you know, a few miles helped me do that so I could come back in and start the day. And then similarly post work, right, going out and doing something, so whether that's exercise in, in, in the garage, in the gym, in the garage, or going out for another walk or whatever, it's complete separation. And, you know, every now and again, there's a risk that you kind of don't, you know, I always try to make sure I turn my computer off so it's not blinking at us when I walk through the house and I see an email pop up and, and things like that. Those kind of habits you've had to form. But yeah, the getting out and walking and doing that stuff has been a godsend for me, you know, uh, and not something I would have ever done before lockdown because you were always doing, I need to get in the car or I need to get to the train station or I need to get to the airport or whatever those things are. That, that was your start of the day. Um, so now I think I've got a better routine and I feel mentally more prepared um, to start a day than, than I did but yeah, equally feel as mentally drained when when the end of day comes, right? It's a, it's been a it's been a complete shift in behaviour. I think there's something in you said as well about um, as leaders, we've just still got to maintain this understanding of people's individual spaces, energies, and also where they are in terms of being able to um, adapt. To, to to this and yet another yet another change um and i read this article about how this this period has accelerated how work is changing and some of these patterns some of these themes and trends were taking place anyway but now it's forced everyone to kind of consider them and accommodate them the working from home and it was a really nice article that talked about how as leaders we should be looking more at generating trust than productivity than if your first your first conversation and um, measure that you focus on is productivity that you suffer as a result of that in especially with people you're going to have a workforce where now a great one thing i think we can all say and you mentioned polls on linkedin before we started recording um I think most, the, the thing you can say with confidence is we're going to have a high proportion of people working from home, higher than we've ever had in the past, yeah? yeah? And trust is going to be a key differentiator for employment and for both recruitment, engagement and retaining staff that you can evidence that you trust them over and above going straight in on productivity stats. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting angle and it would be good to get your take on on those kind of the um, the polls and what those are saying, and that there there's far too many of them for one, but also what are going to be some of the key operating models and principles that we have in this um, this next period, if you like, of where we are. Yeah, I think you know it's a good point, right? I think 
everyone's asking the same questions. And you mentioned polls, right? And they are a bugbear of mine. And, but they're a bugbear of mine because everyone's asking the same question. And it's like, well, you know what? You, you know, the type of question you're asking, what would you prefer? Working, you're going to elicit the same response all the time. Everyone's going to have their own personal preference. It's, it's kind of a mute point, right? The, yeah. For me, the point is that you're going to have a mix of people that want to do one or the other or a mixture that's just the way it is and you know it's that that's not going to change you will have people that want to come in and work in the office full time you will have you will have some people that want to work at home full time and you will have some people that want to do a bit of both i think what we've got to be preparing for is that eventuality and actually still make sure we've got an infrastructure that supports that choice um because we can do it and we've proven we can do it. So there's no argument about should we or shouldn't we. The, the, the argument is around how do we actually formulise it in a way that makes it, you know, a more permanent solution. So how do we make sure that, you know, if people are wanting to work from home, how do we make sure they're set up for success while they're working from home if that's their permanent choice? You know, what level of support do we need to give them in terms of the space that they're working in, the equipment they've got, the technology they need? Those things where we've kind of just sheep dipped and said, do this, it's now actually, how do we make these things permanent? Um, and I think that that's the next step. You know, if it's an office-based environment, people want to get back, to welcome them with open arms and say, you know, let them get in, but create safety and security for them to be able to do it. The, the thing that, kind of feel is too much of a knee-jerk reaction to everything and there's different commentaries on this and there's, there's a couple of different articles out there over the last few weeks where you've got on one side going I'm just going to take everybody back at the office as soon as I'm allowed everyone's going back in the office and then on the flip side of that you've got organizations going you know what, actually everyone can just stay at home now and we're going to shut all our offices down now I know you've got to look after the business and I understand that from a commercial aspect in terms of rents and, you know, commercial property and, and, and the outgoings that that generates. But by kind of forcing a choice on people will create additional problems for you as a business, whether that's through retention, whether it's through, you know, turnover of staff, whatever those things are, they will be a direct symptom of the action you take at this point now and I think we've got to a point this year where we can start to think about that entire kind of operational makeup of our our employee base completely differently you know in terms of the skills that we recruit in terms of the type of people we recruit um, and where we recruit them from and how we recruit them and those things now are things that we can start to look at and be really flexible with and provide more choice, more options, more support, all the good stuff that we should want to invest in to make sure we are delivering the best service to our customers by giving our people the best chance of success. Yeah, I think I well, I couldn't I couldn't agree more that kind of um, it may mean more work for the leadership of companies, I guess. Um, you know, we've certainly had to consider more individual cases and circumstances, but I, I think it's made us better as a result. We, 
we understand our teams more. We understand their, we have a far more informed context of where people are coming from um, in, to work, their, their home situations and things like that. And it's been, it's been fascinating. And I think as a, as a result of spending the time to look at people and consider them as individuals, we've gained massively with, um, with engagement. We did a town hall uh, last week, virtual one, where normally they would, would set up a, like a, a little mini stage would have a little would have our gigs with uh, you know we'll get on there and have a chat and um we did a virtual one and i would say it was the most engaging one we've done in terms of it, even just the function functionality of having chat running through the as as the leadership team were talking and we had a host and um there was far more there was a q a section there was a chat section so chat was commentary around some of the stuff we were saying q a we had that section at the end and i think in a comparison to uh, in real life face to face maybe one or two people would ask a question they would you know i think people were far less intimidated to put a, they can put more considered questions in the chat um and it was just brilliant and it was something that i think we all agreed afterwards we'll do that we're going to do this again but in, in this format, um, so there's definitely been so many, so many benefits. I do wonder about um, what this experience has been like for our frontline teams. You know, we talk about Zoom fatigue from meetings back to back. I would love to know more about how it's been for those people that are dealing with yeah. calls. Yeah. Contact center versus home. I don't, do you get any sense of that, of where that's? same challenges apply right and i think when we speak to customers around you know how do they support people and part of that is you know making sure you know, the, the organizations that are doing it well goes back to your point of being really individual in their approach and actually scheduling things slightly differently so making sure people are not sitting there in five six hour blocks of time just kind of back to back to back you know which not saying you can get away with it when you're in the office but that traditional way of going you're on a, you're on shift you start at eight o'clock you'll have a break at 10 o'clock then have a lunch at 12 o'clock whatever so you, you've got those blocks of time what we see more people do is this kind of you know approach where the more shorter kind of snappier blocks of time to give people more natural breaks in their day to allow them that kind of gap that space that that time just to take a step away before they kind of come back onto it every industry is different in terms of the demands that have been put on them um but there, there is some significant industries that i would imagine throughout this period have had a lot of negative contact for want of a better phrase and that is draining and me and you both been there martin where you know i worked in the utilities industry for, for years um before that i used to work for a co co company i am not mention the company name got told off but they did um we did toys um and distribution of toys uh, and you can imagine when deliveries delayed at certain points it was late for a birthday present or it didn't arrive in time for christmas that kind of level of emotion that gets driven through this 
situation we found ourselves in through the pandemic there are certain industries where that emotion is rife you know holidays for example you know those types of you know emotional attached conversations you cannot expect someone to deal with call after call after call after call when they're going through their own emotional turmoil by being in the middle of a pandemic, having to work from home, having to adjust their whole kind of work-life balance to accommodate things. So we've had, you know, people have had to be smarter around the time that we give people to recover from that and, you know, allowing them more natural breaks in their day and stuff like that. Not saying everyone's doing that, but, you know, the good ones that we've seen have taken a real personal approach to the way they schedule their people to make sure they continue to get the best out of them um rather than kind of you know overburdening them with with demand mm. yeah it's really interesting because you've taken me back <clears throat> to uh, my agent days and i one of the companies i worked at was um financial services and uh, i spent a good year and a bit maybe um doing collections and yeah. this was at a time when there wasn't really any emphasis on mental health uh, for sure but that was draining as hell because you weren't hearing good news stories you were talking to people who were struggling and trying to help them with plans and things um just as you were talking then and you made me think about how that would have been if I'd have been working from home, would have made it harder because actually it was my colleagues around me and being able to both share with them, vibe with them, distract ourselves, whatever it whatever it took really, that that's what kept kept you going. To have that removed would have been really tough. And I think that kind of let's hope that the practices now with a better understanding of mental health and the drain that doing the work has on um, our frontline team members in the industry means more regular check-ins from their team leaders where they can talk about mental health openly. They can talk just health in general, um, but also how people are doing. Because let's be honest, this whole period would have seen a increase in you know, anxiety or, or yeah. in various various guises and um, formats. And then the knock-on effect of that, of course, is then are we skilling our team leaders effectively enough, not only to be able to deal with their team members, but to be dealing with them in a remote and then yeah. hybrid um, is a real challenge, isn't it? For what is, let's be honest, a challenging role anyway, first role in management. Agreed. And I think, you know, that yeah, the embracing of technology will allow us to do a lot of those things. I think what the, but the focus sometimes has to be on the right people. So a team leader needs to have a focus for sure. I think, you know, that's a critical role in our industry. Um, But back to another point you made there around, you know, the kind of relationships we build within contact centres. You know, I, I look back and one of my best pals, we worked together in the first ever contact centre we worked in. We're best pals now, kind of 20 odd years later, you know, and it's like, 
you kind of do build relationships and friendships for life in that environment. And go back to these polls that are on LinkedIn around, do you want to work in an office back home? For me, I'd be interested to understand in terms of our industry, from a contact centre perspective, if you ask that question, what difference would it be when you look at it from a general perspective? So if I work, you know, um, take my wife, for example, you know, she works for the water board in the northeast. Um, and she'd be able to do a lot of work from home. She's worked from home all the way through the pandemic, um, but she's not in an operational role. She's not in a customer service role. She's not in that. So actually, the draw of going back at the office is less. But when you have got those office relationships in a contact centre, the fact that you rely on each other through the difficult times where you've had a bad call to be able to kind of turn around and have a you know a conversation with the person sitting next to you, I'd be interested to understand what their difference in that is. So if we just purely pulled a contact centre audience and said, would you rather go back at the office and see your pals or stay at home, would there be a difference in terms of the general feeling around everyone wants to be hybrid or most people want to work from home? I wonder if there's going to be a difference there just because of that whole relationship piece um, that we have. Uh, I don't think I've seen a poll for that. Maybe we could get someone on LinkedIn to do that. Yeah, we should, we should, because I was just thinking then, if that's me in my aging days, probably even me now, I'm going back in because yeah. purely from the practical jokes point of view, the person, yeah. that sat, the person that sat next to you when they go for a break, moving their chair or lowering it so they just sit yeah. down a little bit more. You, you know, my um, fiancé's really fed up with me doing that and she's my one victim all day. <laughs> <laughs> so just from the practical joke point of view i'm back in i'm back in 100 percent. And, and i think that's the thing isn't it it's, it goes back to that we've got to give people the choice and i think you know and, and support that choice whatever it is and we might see that we might see that actually in our industry and in contact centers we do see a big influx of people going back at the office we might see that um it's just it's really interesting that it's who knows where we'll be in six months' time? Who knows? You know, as we get past June and, you know, for, for those listening in the UK, that's apparently the last time we're allowed, you know, there's no restrictions come middle of June. So we'll see um, what that actually happens. I mean, I think in terms of that that, that return to work. Um, but, you know, the, the bit for me that we I always keep coming back to is let's, you know, think about your point the anxieties of people uh, and let people take it at their own pace I can't stress that enough I think that's the bit that we really have to be mindful of it's the bit that I keep coming back to say it doesn't matter if you want people back in the office or not doesn't matter you know from an operational perspective if that's what you want it shouldn't be about what you want as a business at this stage it should be about what your people want uh, and what you can do to support it it's like anything you know we all think that there'll be a you know even going back to my operational planning days you'd have conversations with people going oh well we always struggle with certain shift rotation or we never get enough people signing up to late shifts or we never get enough people to work christmas or bank holidays or whatever and i was like you know what just ask the question and that used to be like, just ask the question. Let's actually yeah. ask who who wants to do it. 
Because you know what? There'll be people out there that don't care about Christmas for whatever reason. You know, they don't yeah. celebrate it, whether it's religion-based or whether it's just personal choice that Christmas is not for them. Same with bank holidays, same with evenings. People like that lifestyle. So let's just ask the question. Let's not try and overthink it. Let's just ask. So that's what we need to start doing now. Let's just ask the question because we'll be surprised by the answer, I think. Um, but we, we overthink it sometimes and try to force an ideal rather than just saying, well, let's just ask the people that we're going to actually be impacting, right? Um, and see if we can cover what we need to cover. So if you know, yeah. if you had a business and went, we could only have 50% of our people in the office because of social distancing, who wants to come at the office? You'll get your 50%. Who's happy to work at home? You'll get your other 50%. You know, it'll just happen naturally. But if we don't ask the questions, we'll never, we'll never know the answer. Well, that's certainly determining our, our approaches. Um our guys you know our teams what they're we've been surveying them regularly trying to get a sense of well trying to get exactly that exact numbers around who wants to come back under what circumstances what do they need who's going to stay at home um and that has been enlightening really just around what we need to do, what people want to do, and hopefully will means that we'll make a more informed decision that for the benefit of um, for the benefit of everyone, which has got to be which has got to be a good thing. I wonder if um, be good to get your view on. I rang one of a uh, utilities company the other day, and they it surprised me. They had a message on there saying due to COVID. Um, and it, in the end, I gave up waiting because it was like 10 minutes. Um, and then I then I saw, again, it might have been another poll about whether <laughs> whether uh, it's still acceptable for contact centres to be to be saying that. What's your what's your view? My view, this is my opinion, um, is that we should not be using that excuse anymore. I think, you know. I, th I think, like anything, right, we've had plenty of time to adjust the way we operate to deal with what we're dealing with right now. Um, and I don't think it's half as bad as what it was, you know, when this first started. I, you know, th there's no way. I think we, as customers, would quite happily forgive people in that first two, three, four months, I think, you know, the a level of tolerance, I think, for people having to adjust and and those types of things. I think, you know, 18 months in, we should not be um, in a position where we're using COVID as a reason for not delivering good service. I, 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 I just don't see that. I agree. And I think what's interesting is I had no particular opinion on this utility company prior to that call. And now it's a bit of a litmus test for me. It's kind of like, are you serious? Are you really using that now? as a reason that you can't answer my call within five minutes is okay. I'm happy to wait five minutes, um, but to not even pick up after 10 and to still be saying it's COVID related. Now, my opinion of that company is based on that. Yeah, I, think it's, I, I would agree. I would agree. I think, you know, I think there's that. It is. It comes down to that. I'm going. Yes, you know. Yes, you might be limited in what you can do. You know, and, and that's fine. You know, there's a few, a few companies where 
you will speak to them and but you'll get through and you'll have the service and then some of the services that they can provide are slightly different and you, you respect that because of rules of entering houses and those types of things and you can expect some of that to still be the case um you can expect you know some pockets of issues where people are having to you know self-isolate and things like that if you want in a field worker to come out for example to do something fix your boiler or, or whatever that might be i think from a context of that you know we had this issue i had to self-isolate during this and i still worked because i wasn't going yeah. anywhere i wasn't having to go to the office yeah. i was working here yeah. so there's no reason why you know from a from a business perspective, that if you are in that situation, contact centre-wise, if you're working from home, that, that would have a negative impact on your uh, staffing, I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, yeah, I, I can't see why people would still use that as an excuse. We've had plenty of time to adjust and and, and deal with those issues uh, and, and and kind of get ready for, for moving forward rather than still looking back 12 months and say, well, we've got this thing going on, so we'll, we'll continually use it as an excuse. It's uh, not a poor service for me, that... I just I think we have to be better. I agree with you. I, if you're if you're listening out there and you have a recorded message saying anything about COVID related disruption to service, it's it doesn't help the perception of our industry. I don't think we you should have had it figured out by now. You don't need the message. Just just get on with it. That it would have been better to not have that message and still wait. Having the message was just making me think, oh, you guys are useless. Yeah, it's inflammatory, right? It's inflammatory yeah. when you make an excuse for bad service before you've delivered bad service. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's it, like a warning, isn't it? We're yeah. going to be rubbish. We're going to be rubbish. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, Lower you your expectations. Yeah, you, you, might, you might want to make a different decision right now. Um, I think, yeah, so I think there's that bit. I think apologise for bad service before you, before you actually have a chance to deliver service. I think if they're, you know, if if you are that company and you need some help, please get in touch. I'll, I'll, I'll more than happy help you with your uh, your planning needs. It's fine. It's what I do for a living. <laughs> but, but, but I think that, that's an issue for me, right? It is an issue for me. And it's an issue for me in, in all walks of life. Even, you know, outside the pandemic, I think that whole precursor to poor service, regardless of what you're doing, I think, always is a bit of a bugbear of mine so i think if you are struggling sometimes you'll go on a website and you'll go to try and contact them and they've switched off things like live chat and they've switched off things you know contact channels because there's some kind of challenge from a demand perspective and that for me just it doesn't work from a customer perception point of view that you you're kind of already putting barriers up you're making it difficult and you're kind of calling out that you're not delivering the greatest service that you can and i think that just puts the seed of doubt in everyone's mind i think this open and honest customer service is what generates loyalty and what generates kind of that stickability in terms of am i going to continue to utilize that service going forward i think the pandemic bore that out for a lot of people um you know different companies dealing with the situation in different ways you know whether that was the, the the financial institutions that were dealing with things like the mortgage holiday and payment breaks and those types of things and you had ones that mobilized really quickly dealt with it and delivered great service so you know as a customer you think you know what i felt really 
protected and safe and you know supported by that institution others that really made a dog's dinner of it um, which again you know when it comes to your mortgage renewal time in a year's time or whatever what you're going to do you're going to say well actually no I didn't feel supported there so I want to start looking elsewhere and similarly with the holiday companies and similarly with everyone, we all know people got put under pressure through this and we, we we will all accept that and no one's going to ever say anything different but I think the measure of the business was how they reacted in that initial stages of the pandemic and how they reacted and how they supported customers, how they, you know, we worked with customers that were segregating things out and going, this is really important. So we're going to just take this over here and deal with this separately and all the BAU stuff, because people still needed the BAU questions answered. We'll deal with them over here. But all this COVID related stuff, we're going to ring fence, we're going to staff it, we're going to support it. So actually when our customers get in touch with us, they know they're our priority and we can deal with them directly and immediately, not make them wait half an hour or a few days for a response or whatever it is. And those companies that did that really mobilised really quickly um, and they'll get the rewards for that going forward as they became, you know, as they... Mm showed that kind of supportive nature the ones that kind of buried their head in the sands and went you know what we'll just it's all just going to come in and we'll just deal with it when we get to it and they're the ones that are going to suffer and i think that's the bit now that people are going to have to try what's the recovery now um for some of those organizations where they didn't make the best decisions at the start um for whatever reason i like that kind of prioritization i think it talks about something we're all customers right and i think as customers, we have shown that we're far more adaptable. So we're being asked to do more different things to engage with a company or uh, uh, utilize a, a service. Um, and some places have been really creative and great. I think the, the key thing that's, for me, come out of this whole period is around effort. So knowing that your customer is a bit more adaptable, but are you still making it as easy as possible? If someone has to, if you have to go onto an app to then carry on the conversation or generate a token or whatever it may be, but it's easy to do uh, and you get the, you get, you know, in front of the person that's going to help you with your query, happy days. But if, yeah. if the effort is high, at a time when most studies will say, will say, as consumers we have been more patient than in the past that's only going that's wearing thin now i think um but like i say there's been some really creative stuff i think a lot of the public services should be applauded for how they've whether that's education or health how they yeah. still manage to how you can still interact with doctors and the kids with their schools and things like that they probably have the biggest changes and the most risk yet they've been really creative same with a lot of um lot of retailers in contact services, uh, contact center industry. So there's a lot to be, there's, a, there's been a lot that's great, but maybe that, maybe that spectrum of good versus bad has got wider, I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the other challenge we're gonna get now is the, you know, this, this kind of, what, what's the lasting impact of this for some organizations? So what I mean by that is something like, we know, you know, interactions or the, the way people contact us, those types of things are um, increasing. 
and they're going to continue to increase, that's going to go up, right? The expectation of us as customers is growing. The challenge we've got, I think, and a lot of industries have, well, how will this have a negative impact on budget and resources going forward? So the budget and the resources that we have today as a business, is that going to be the same next year when we start to look at our budgets? What 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 have we lost as a business? You know, how has the pandemic impacted us as a business? And do we need to cut costs somewhere? And if we're starting to cut costs somewhere, typically that's your service centres, and typically it is your contact centre because you know that that is areas of the business that yeah. if they're not fully aligned with your strategy, people just see it as a really expensive commodity within the organisation. So the risk now for me is that we're going to start potentially reducing that budget and that resource, but the customer expectation and the customer kind of, you know, um, contact rate and they're going to continue to increase. And that creates a big gap in our ability to deliver the service that we need to deliver. And that's something that if we'd have been thinking about it through the pandemic, around going, okay, so how do we utilise our resources differently? How can we multi-skill our people? How can we ensure they've got, you know, different abilities to do different types of work or whatever those things are? If that transition happens, you're in a better position to deal with the different demand that's been pushed your way. I think organisations that haven't switched and adapted and thought about that kind of long-term consequence are going to get left behind a little bit kind of in this next kind of 12 months and it's something that for me they need to start planning and thinking about now um because like i say you know some industries are you know i've been decimated by this in terms of the the, the turnovers and profits and, and those types of things and that's going to have to be recouped somewhere in an organization you know it's the same for us as taxpayers right at some point that's going to hit us at some point you know we we know it's coming we just don't know when yet but we know that's going to come and it's going to hit us it's going to hit us for a long time you know generations potentially and this is the same in business business there's going to be impacts for certain pockets of industry that they're going to have to try and recover it somehow risk and i feel is a big risk is that recovery of cost will potentially come out of the contact center um and that is where we need to as an industry really start to think about what is that going to be and how do we start dealing with customer contact in a way that allows us to still deliver service even though i might lose 20 percent of my headcount it's a really good point really good point i think it starts with self-awareness and self-analysis um, around your contact centre because more often than not through misperception, you're right, contact centres by organisations are considered cost centres. Um, I worked at an outsourcer where you knew every year people were coming and knocking and they were coming to try and strip away what they thought was fat. And we were lucky at the time that we had leadership who were very proactive on, I want to say PR, to say, to meet customer expectations, this is your customer contact centre, and we are lean as you like, we're efficient, we look at continuous improvement, we've got highly talented people, and X, Y, Z, do you know what I mean? We kind of went on the front foot to say, you know, you're, we know you're coming 
we know you're coming to look to cut cost, but if you want to deliver, we feel like we're set up for success. And I think yeah. that only starts with a confidence born out of self-assessment, right? To yeah. be able to look at yourselves in your contact center and say, are you as ruthlessly efficient as you can be while still maintaining all the things that we love within contact centers, the people yeah. focus, the creativity, because you're right, there is still, right, where should we go? Because we need to save some costs. Ah, oh, let's go to the contact center. Same, and I think um, flipping that round in terms of, well, actually, how do we, how can we generate generate more revenue and service our customers better? And how, wh where's the best place to do that? It's actually the yeah. contact center. Yeah, and that's the point, right? So all the good behavior that was potentially built over this last 12 months or so more flexibility in people's shifts more time to, to to rest and recuperate during the day so they're not feeling bombarded you know all these little things that we've done to support people you know more flexibility on the kpi so are we still do we need to kpi at such a stringent level because we've got a an external push but also our people need more time whatever it might be these things that we've adjusted to to allow us to support our people and support the customer are the things that the potential to switch back around again and gone right we can squeeze more productive time out of an individual we can squeeze the aht we can squeeze their you know the, this metric or that metric to get more out of the people for less and that it's not necessarily the right way to go about it when we've spent 12, 18 months building some real positive experiences yeah. for our people. And then, you know, we're potentially going to strip that back down again. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. it might not it, it, it might not be that case and that might just be me being all doom and gloom. But I think it's a risk we need to consider and people need to start thinking about it now going, you know, what do we... It goes back to the original thing we spoke about. What is our future state operating model? What do we need to do to support our people? How do we ensure we continue to provide flexibility? What does that actually mean then as an operating cost? And can we can we continue as a business to operate like this with anticipated growth um, that we're expecting? And, and, and what adjustments do we need to do? And let's think about those things now rather than waiting for that to be forced upon us. I think it's something we can start to think and model and plan for. Um, and if it doesn't happen and everything stays rosy, brilliant. But at least you've, at least you, at least you kind of modelled it out. I always think, you know, go back to that first first stage of the pandemic. The people that thought this thing might happen were better prepared. And I think it's about preparation. So even if the worst case doesn't happen. If you're prepared for the worst case and you can switch to the worst case and you can uh, adapt and adjust accordingly to make sure you stay in support, then the transition's easier. If the worst case happens and you've got no preparation in place, you will then struggle to recover. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wise words, mate. Um, just to end then, I'm going to give you a little poll. We've mentioned it a few times today. What... Uh, when are you likely to be, when will people get to see your lovely face face-to-face -face again? 
I'll just finger in the air for those that are listening because it's not a visual uh, podcast, so I don't know why I did that. Um, Honestly, honestly, no idea, right? So as a business, we're still, you know, we stay travel ban. It's not a travel ban, but we're, you know, we're still saying, you know, we're not, we're not traveling. I think it's a, it's a challenge. So as events open back up, we, we might start seeing us at things like that again later in the year. I think from a, from a day-to-day perspective, the challenge we've got, and, the, you know, and you'll have a similar challenge, Martin, right? So the challenge we've got is that our work involves working with other businesses and other customers right now they've got to look after their own staff Mm. and their own environments and their own people without worrying about me rocking up on site and having to follow different protocols but then similarly we have got to protect our staff so we've got to make sure whatever we do that the company, if we are going to visit a company, their protocols match with our protocols and yeah. vice versa. And it becomes a bit complicated. So it's like, at the minute, it's let's just not, um, because let's not put any additional pressure on our customers and potential customers, let them worry about what they need to worry about. And that's looking after themselves and their people. And then eventually we'll be allowed to, to, to kind of re-enter the world again at some point. Um, so yeah, so, 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 so it's, it, I don't know is the answer um for valid reasons um you know i've worked from home for seven years you know eight years maybe a bit longer so the working from home thing's not a challenge i've just never worked from home in as a significant box of time <laughs> yeah. because yeah. working from home when you're traveling three days a week is different right um you know sitting at the office on a monday and a friday and spending three days in airports train stations and uh and, and whatever is, is is a completely different so yeah the sooner the better i'd like to be out seeing people because i do miss people but you know i'm not gonna i think we're doing the right thing of not putting that pressure on our potential customers or our people to to kind of do that it's uh we'll, we'll take it at whatever pace we need to take it at. So maybe our next podcast will still be on Zoom, but the one after, or maybe the one after that, might be face to face. Might do a face to face one. I want to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, 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 I think that's what we want to do. We'll do a podcast Friday evening or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just don't know if it'll ever yeah. get aired, uh, but we could try. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's I'm, it is I'm, what it I'm, is. Yeah, I'm bang up for that. That'd be great. I'm completely resigned to the fact that I likely won't get out to any degree of consistency this year, you know, and that's fine. I can live with that. And I think that's the other thing, you know, talk about mental health. I know we were in out of time now, but that's the other thing. It's setting those milestones and expectations in your own mind, stop you getting depressed. That's how I deal with it. So I've already made that kind of decision in my mind that the likelihood is I won't do any significant travel this year. Yeah. So I, so I can prepare for that rather than, you know, last year where you're going, I hope I get an holiday. Maybe, yeah. In June, maybe. And then June comes along and you're going, oh, I'm dead dead upset now because I've not got on my holiday or I'm dead upset. Yeah. So I've started to set more stretching things in my mind that says, that's where I want it to happen. You know, it's yeah. my birthday. It's my birthday in a couple of weeks. I've resigned to the fact that I'm just going to celebrate in my garden with a beer, right, rather yeah. than anything fantastic. Whereas next year... I'm getting dancing girls in the lot, right? That's kind of, you know, it's that, you know, it's that kind of, you know, see, that's how I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it in those chunks to say, this is how I, you know, 
set an expectation that's not going to hopefully be um, missed. Um, I'm still hooked now on the concept of Get Out a Rap podcast. Podcast, can it? Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there. I'll, I'll have to hand over the reins, though, to a responsible adult an hour, two hours in. Yeah, we'll, because... we'll employ someone teetotal to come along and just uh, yeah, make sure. Please do. I, I had a university reunion on Zoom, um, and there was about three guys on there that I hadn't seen for 20 years, and the excitement all got too much for me. Um, and I was very ill the, <laughs> the next the next day. Let's say um, so. Yeah, I need I need a responsible driver if we're going to be doing this. So, and, and what we should do, mate, we should do it behind a paywall for charity. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Right. So you know. Yeah, because I I, I want people to pay to see the absolute state that we can yeah, get. So in. I think we put it behind a paywall for charity. Raise somebody for. Um, your charity that you support Naomi House Naomi yeah. Naomi's house we'll, we'll 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 do that and then we can put all the explicit warnings on that we need to and all that type of stuff and you know protect ourselves a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah def- yeah definitely definitely and maybe depending on who you are you pay more uh because there are some people that I wouldn't want me to see me like that but yeah I think that's a great idea what watch this space for uh, you will have to come up with a better name, um, but the podcast, I love that. Yeah, we're going to do it. Do it. Do it. Sounds like a plan. But it's been lovely to speak to you again. Yeah, mate. same, Chris. It's always always a pleasure. And um, keep up the good work, buddy. Thanks very much. And uh, repping, get out a wrap for the t-shirt as well today. Thank you very yeah. much. So you're welcome. Fan. See, fits good, nice fit as well. Yeah, medium. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, we've got, next one's going to be small um anyway <laughs> on that note <laughs> yeah chris thanks very much mate take care paul speak to you soon